0: I'm Jackie from Cape Town in South Africa. Andre from Brisbane. I'm Ben Whitey from Botswana. Jim Panton from Edinburgh in Scotland. I'm Lisa Breakno from
1: Christchurch, New Zealand. Nick Kedinji from Nairobi, Kenya. I'm Viggy from Tel Aviv in
0: Israel. I'm Andy from Vancouver, Canada. This is Harish from Bangalore in India.
1: I'm Brigitte Seipestein from Frucht, the Netherlands. I'm Ethan from Cape Town, and you're listening to Tribe with Coach
0: Perry. Welcome on to this edition of Try With Coach Parry. My name is Brad Brown. It's awesome to have you with us. And uh, it's been a while since we put a podcast out on this feed, and we've got lots to share with you. Just to give you a little bit of background, okay, we're changing the format of this podcast in a big way. Uh, We've been trying something for the last year on our sister podcast called Run With Coach Parry. And it is working phenomenally well, and we wanted to bring it into the triathlon space. The good news is, we're going to be doing it in the cycling space as well. Uh, as a triathlete, I know you ride as well, so definitely check out our sister podcast called Ride with Coach Parry. Uh, so, we've got a run, we've got a, a try, and we've got a ride. Uh, and we're going to be featuring some amazing, ordinary, everyday weekend warriors, uh, just like you and me, who are doing some amazing things within the Coach Perry Online Training Club. So, today is uh, our very first in this format, and We are joined by our triathlon coach, Rudolf Nordea, and we are going to be chatting to a member of that uh, online training community, Charmaine Boerter, about her build-up to uh, 5150 in Bella Bella. Uh, That's coming up towards the end of this year. She's going to be going on to do an Ironman 70.3, and the plan is to do the full Ironman South Africa uh, at the end of March next year. So... We're going to be chatting to Charmaine a little bit about her plan. She's got some unbelievable questions today as well. Uh, She's finding a way in the sport. She comes from quite a a strong endurance running background, uh, but triathlon's still fairly newish for her, and she's got some great questions, and I think you're going to learn a lot out of today's podcast. Uh, And then I'm also going to share a success story out of our forums. We like to showcase uh, some of the athletes in our uh, online training club uh, and some of the results that they're getting, but that's coming up at uh, the end of today's podcast. If you do enjoy it, uh, let us know. You can pop us a mail, support at com, And uh, yeah, we'd love to get your feedback on this podcast and the chains we've made. And we're going to be doing this. Uh, they're going to be coming out every second week. So uh, that's the good news. And hopefully we can ramp it up to every week. But that's down the line for now. Every two weeks, uh, let's get straight into my chat with uh, Rudolf and Charmaine. Welcome back onto this edition of Try with Coach Barry. My name is Brad Brown, and it's a great pleasure to welcome our triathlon coach, Rudolf Nordea, onto the podcast. Rudolf, welcome back. Nice to touch base. How's it, Brad? Thanks for having me back again. This is going to be a slight change from our normal format on our audio podcast for try. And if you've been listening to what we do and, and following what we do here at Coach Barry for a while, you would have noticed on our running podcast, we've been doing a lot of fly-on-the-wall sort of coaching calls, uh, and we want to translate that into the same for our triathlon and cycling podcast as well. And this is going to be one of them, and there's going to be a lot more of this to come. And we've got one of the members of the Coach Barry Online Training Club on the call with us today as well. We head to the East End uh, to catch up with Charmaine Woods. Charmaine a Char- Charmaine, welcome onto the onto the podcast. Thanks for joining us.
2: Wonderful. Thank you for having me. All the way from the east end.
0: That's <laughs> all right. We don't discriminate. We we take all hey. sorts here. <laughs> Charmaine, tell me a little bit about your sort of introduction into triathlon. I know you come from quite a quite a big running background. You've done quite a few uh, sort of big running races, but what's the attraction to triathlon?
2: You know, way 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 back, there was an Energate VSR series. You really? remember that? Yeah, yeah. I- do that. It was quite fun. Um, then I uh, did one in Jermiston many moons ago also. And I tried Ironman in 2012. Did the 70.3. Got a DNF. Sold my bike. Sold all my cycling gear. Um, I promise you. And <laughs> got over the fear of open water and now I've been doing it again for a year or two. Um, so now I'm going all the way, big or
0: no. That, that's amazing. I mean, I mean was it uh, East London 70.3 that oh, you did? You yes. I mean, that, that's a tough one. I mean, Rudolf will attest to that as well. So to, to bounce back from that where you said, I'm hutful, I've had enough, I'm selling everything and I'm done with the sport to come back, that takes a massive amount of courage. No,
2: took
0: a lot. What's brought you back? Why?
2: No, it's unfinished business. We, I've got it on my bucket list. So I have to do it. So it's now or never. So I'm going full out.
0: And you're no stranger to, to endurance either. You've, uh, I mean, from a running point of view, you, you've, you've held your own on a couple of big runs.
2: Yeah. Look, I've done comrades a few times. Um, also had one or two DNFs, believe you not. So, um, I know what it's like to sit on the side and that Baylor bus coming by. That's a horrible name. The Baylor bus. Anyway. So yeah, I've been doing comrades and I've done a few midmars, I've done two oceans. I've, basically done everything but yes this iron man is just calling me so that's why i'm here
0: talk to me about the fear of open water swimming because that i think a lot of people Mm. who get into the sports struggle with obviously it's a big thing what what are you are you over it you still scared of open water swimming and and what are you doing to try and get better
2: well look i think for all the hard things it's it's hard to go swimming in the sea it's not the same as swimming in the dam. Um, it's uh, It's wide, it's large, it's It's um, a very, um, what do you mean
0: it? It's intimidating.
2: It's, it's intimidating, the big ocean. So the, for my 70.3, we were sitting on the side and my husband said, yes, Jermaine, I think you should go and stand in the front and just go swim. That was the biggest mistake I made, um, thinking that I can um, swim with those Fast swimmers in the front line so I tried to swim but I just I just I was hyperventilating I couldn't breathe I couldn't just sw- swim a normal freestyle so eventually um, I was starting to backstroke and if I hear the whistle it will be the lifeguard saying I'm going totally in the wrong direction so I, I, I managed to finish the swim which was 1.9 um, on a backstroke, but I think I swam about three kilometers, maybe <laughs> uh, I finished the, the 90 day cycle. I think it was horrible because I kept vomiting all the way from all this uh, seawater that I swallowed. Um, but yeah, after the bike, I got pulled over and said, I'm not allowed to go any further due to time. But since then I've done a few mid-mars and I've uh, overcame the fear of open water, definitely.
0: Yeah um, it, it's weird. I mean I remember my first open water swim properly and and it's so right you you talk about being in quarantine because there aren't many bodies of water that you can train in. So we do most of our swimming in the gym and and I was fairly comfortable swimming. Uh I mean I grew up swimming so I, I didn't have that fear of water but it was weird not having a line on the bottom uh, when you get into the sea or, or a dam. I mean, it's things that you don't oh. think of. Uh, it, yeah. it's, it's dark. It's not the clean water. Although some of the gyms I swam in the water was disgusting and it was probably about as dark as a dam, but it, it I mean, there's little things like that that you don't realize in open water that, that, uh, you know, you almost need to prepare yourself for it. Rudolph, you, in your opinion, what what are some of the ways that, that people well, that, that you, someone can, can get over that fear of, of open water swimming? Is it a case of just, getting on the horse and doing it? Or are there things you can do to to prepare yourself? Yes, basically the easiest thing to do is practice makes perfect. But as you said, it's difficult for us to
1: actually go to a body of water to be able to swim in. But if you, Charmaine, you and a few of your mates, if you go to the gym and you swim three in a LA lane for a few 25 meters, just to get that feel of not being able to swim in your own little comfort zone, that someone's hitting you, kicking you, you can't do your strokes perfectly, that will really help you a lot with that little yeah these people are going to be around me. So I'm not in my little comfort zone. I need to adjust my strokes. I can't breathe normally like I used to. I need to breathe up a bit more, just to be able to adapt. And I think you're also your biggest problem with uh, East London 7.3 is your husband telling you to start in the front. So I think, I honestly think if you started more towards the back, then you would have been fine. But also now with the wave starts going on, it's only just like one big line of athletes going. So even now you can start more towards the front and you'll be fine just because Ironman has changed and have made it a wave start.
0: Yeah, yeah, that would make a big difference. Charmaine, what, what are some of the things? Let me, let me sort of, let, let's flick it over to you. What are some of the things that you, you need help with that, that you're struggling with right now? Well, you
2: know, a few months ago, I bought myself a new garment. But the problem with the new garment is that it gives you a lot of specs. So I never knew anything about swoof or zones or all these things. And now that I'm getting all these data from my swims and my runs and my cycles, now I suddenly realize that there's a lot of things that I need to to, 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 make better, to work on. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I'm just used to running. Running is running with a little <laughs> bit of gym work. Um, this triathlon is something different, but I, I'm loving it. But like with the swim, um, apparently there's a swoof, and um, my uh, swoof is too high. I should get it lower to increase my the length of my stroke. Um, so uh, currently it's 116. It's supposed to be at least 1.5 meters, 1.6 meters. So I'm doing the drills when I'm swimming, like the sculling and um, the 636 and all of that. But I don't think my swim length even if I feel like I'm swimming, increasing my length, and I'm reaching out, trying to lengthen the amount of um, distance that I cover in a, in a, in a, in a certain time. Do you I'm only 1.54, so.
1: <laughs> when you swim, when you do drills, do you yeah. use paddles or not? Well, I have
2: paddles, but I haven't used them.
1: So when, when you use paddles, only I know a lot of paddles have got two bands, one for the middle finger, and normally one that goes around your wrist. So only put your middle finger through, don't put your wrist through. That will force you to have a nice catch with the water. So initially in the beginning, it's going to feel like your paddle is going to slip off. It might slip off a few times, but that just forces you to have a nice catch in the water, as I can show. So if you swim, if you only have the finger paddle in, it will force you to have a catch over there. So you're working on that. So if you put your arm in like that, the paddle will slip off over there, if that makes sense. Okay. So that will force you to keep your elbow, to bend your wrist down and also your elbow high. And that is where your swim stroke starts with the catch. So if you can increase your catch a little bit, that will also really help make a massive difference because where you put your arm in and versus where you pull it out, that's where it's going to come out. So if you put your hand in, let's say here by your ear, that means you're going to have a shorter stroke. If you put it in further in front of you, that means you're going to have a longer stroke, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah,
0: it does. It does. Okay. Rudolph, if if I can just jump in there, how important is it to track those numbers? And and, and I, I I feel Charmaine's frustration because I feel exactly the same. It's like there's you to try and track heart rate and cadence and swolf and are those numbers important to track? Like, should we be focusing on those sorts of things?
1: So the thing is, you get you get a lot of information from your garments and whatever heart rate monitors, smartwatches watches that you get. I know with running you get vertical oscillation, your running ground contact time and all of those things. But for me personally, I just stick to the basics, heart rate and power when I train. And like I said, in when you're swimming, when you're looking at your swath, I don't really necessarily look at my swath, but more in general, just count your strokes, how many you do. So in the beginning of a set, so Charmaine, let's say for example, you're doing 10, 200 or 10, 300. Take your, count your strokes per length for the first 200 then number five of the 200s, and then seven, eight, and nine. Counter strokes over there, and then you can see, listen, my strokes has increased or decreased, and my times also, if my times are similar. If your times are similar towards, for all of the 10, 200s, but your stroke rate has increased, so let's say for argument's sake, you take 20 strokes for a 20 meter, 25 meter pool, and then all of a sudden towards the end, you take 25 meters, but your time is the same, that means you're giving five extra strokes. That means it's five extra strokes of energy that you are wasting for swimming at the same speed. So instead of looking at 12, just as a general, just count your strokes throughout your swimming set, and then you can see, listen, I need to focus, keep on focusing on increasing my stroke rate, keeping it exactly the same or lengthening my stroke. That's like a kind of a nice way, if you don't have a coach that keeps on telling you every second length, listen, you're shortening your stroke, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong you kind of holding yourself accountable for your swimming. And that's an easy way to see, listen, I am swimming well, or listen, I can can this swim set because I'm just shorting my stroke and it's not helping me at all.
2: No. The other thing is, if I do, for instance, three sets of three 200-meter swims, I try to keep my times constant. Like, for instance, my time for a 200-meter now is about 4.30. So my best time will be 4.24, 4.25-ish. So – with running, I would have gone according to times. But with the yes. swimming, I'm counting now and ignoring my time. But the other thing is also that I've heard that when you swim with an Ironman, you should work more on your arms and let your legs kind of rest up because the cycle and the run is delayed. I want to It's a lot of information.
1: The thing is with, with the swimming is you don't need to kick as much as a normal swimmer. So normally a three or three beat kick would be perfect. So if every two strokes that you take, you give three kicks. So you don't have to focus as much on the kicking. It's just to keep your balance in the water and also not to drag your feet. So, yeah, you don't have to focus so much on kicking per se, like having a strong fast kick, but the arms does come more into play with open water swimming as well. So that is, yeah. Okay.
0: Cool, cool. And, and from the consistency of times, R- Ralf, is, is Charmaine focusing on, is, is that the right way to do it to try and keep, if you're doing, as she said, three 200s, to keep that time the same? Or does it depend on the, the session you're doing? Would, would some of them be faster than the others?
1: It, it does depend on your session if you're doing. If you're doing an easy swim, that you're doing on, focusing on stroke rate and stroke work, then rather focus on the stroke rate and the stroke work. But if it is more a race pace simulation kind of set, then I would focus more On doing the race pace kind of work so if you for example the series 10 100s on race pace focus to get everyone at the same speed so just let you know that listen if you go out in the beginning you swim the first 100 you swim it at two minutes and then your time declines to 210 215 per 100 then you know listen either a i went out too fast so the whole session is a bit of a bust or listen i need to improve in my endurance or my fitness in the swimming pool but Unfortunately, with swimming, it's 70% your stroke versus 30% of fitness. So you can be as fit as you like, but if you've got a bad stroke, you'll always be on the back foot. So that's why normally with swimming, even though you're doing a race based set, there will still be some stroke works before and afterwards just because swimming is such a highly technical sport.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Huh.
0: Cool. Charmaine, any other, other questions you've got for, for Rudolph? Um. Yeah. How it was how are you how are you coping with obviously the balance, the the three the getting the three disciplines in and, and having to to have a life outside of the sports as well?
2: No, no, I'm coping fine. I'm just on the intermediate program, so it's nothing too hectic. Uh and when I try to do it early in the morning, it's like four o'clock and second training will be past four PM. But I'm missing my running. It feels like we are cycling a lot. And yes. swimming twice a week, which is fine. I love swimming now. It's, it's only 2Ks at the moment uh, per training session. But I miss uh, you are putting running on the background. to try to on people.
1: Running um, is a bit on the background. It's, it's difficult to balance everything. It depends on what background you come from. Since you've got a running background, having done comrades a few times, that's why you feel that the running is a bit more on the back foot. So you can go to an advanced program, if you want to, there's just more interval sessions based on the, in the program. But I will also, we currently also looking at the programs, adjusting it according how results go with athletes wise to see if the programs are working or if we need to modify them or not. So you personally feel that the running is a little bit not enough for you. Yeah, at this so point time. Mean, it's it's
2: running is my go-to look i understand that cycle is 180 and the runner's only 42 but it's still a marathon. yeah, yeah. So then, no,
0: no, no. if if i can jump in there Charmaine, just in my experience as well and, and i've just to give you some background on me personally i've never finished the comrades unless i've done an ironman six to eight weeks before comrades so I, I, that's always been part of my build-up to my comrades and the interesting thing is I feel exactly what you're saying, is that you do feel like you're running less, particularly coming from a comrade's background where you're doing a lot more mileage. But I used to love it because I used to get into, I would do an Ironman in April, which is essentially your peak comrade's training. So you'd go April and then all of a sudden you don't have to worry about the other two disciplines. So you're not worrying about uh, swimming or biking. When everyone's starting to, to sort of like really get tired in their comrades training, I'm only ramping things up. So it does feel a lot less because you're used yeah. to the comrades sort of volume. But what it's going to do, and I, I've never run better in my life than in that sort of window. Uh, and it's because of the cross training. So even though you're not running as much as you would ordinarily be used to, the extra swimming and the biking is going to help your fitness massively. But you're also then reducing the risk of getting injured because you're not overtraining yeah. on the running side. Am, am I correct in saying that, Riddle?
1: yeah so so what brad is saying is basically you getting advantage of still training cardiovascular wise but without the impact on your legs as i know running takes a lot of impact on your legs especially training for comrades and so on so you do have that history of having to run a lot for comrades and everything so you're kind of jeoparding the system a little bit with training running but not actually training running specifically so especially swimming it's very low weight bearing and also I'm sure you noticed swimming works the heart and the lungs a lot so you're still getting that advantage of it so like Brad said after Ironman you don't have to worry about cycling and run and swimming anymore so also you'll feel that your days you've got a lot more hours in your days because training you won't train so many hours for comrades so then you also feel okay listen I have done Ironman six seven eight weeks before but still I'm still feeling fresh mentally because I haven't run 100 plus k's a week training for comrades. So I understand where you are coming from, feeling that, listen, the running is a bit on the back burner, but also in triathlon running is the second shortest time-wise. So 180 k's on the bike, that is a long time to spend on the bike. And you don't want to burn your running matches on the bike already. So rather, if you have come off the bike feeling fresh, you'll still run better than what you've focused more on the running and less on the bike, if that makes sense. Yeah,
2: it does, it does. The other thing is when, when I run, according to my coach, Brad and Lindsay, I have to stay in certain zones, like zone two, and I find it very difficult because I run a, a sub-hour 10K and a sub-221K and I run a sub-4 marathon. And now when I go and run, I must stay in zone two. So on Sunday, I'm, I'm sorry, coach, but I just ignored my watch. and I just ran an easy pace. And when I came back home, I saw it was Zone three and four. But I felt relaxed. Um, But I did not listen to them or or my heart rate. And sometimes I think perhaps we should just put the gadgets away and just go with fuel. Because I, I mean, I still, I I only ran like 630 a kilometer and I only did 10Ks. But it felt easy. Although my heart rate said something different. So there's a fine line between when I should obey the rules according to my program and when should I just listen to my body? I don't know.
1: How up-to-date is your zones though on your garment? How did you work out your zones on Garmin? Did you just went with it as it came or did you work it out?
2: No, I actually went on to the web and, and, and worked out my zones.
1: With what formula did you use?
0: You know, on the, the garment?
1: It's give yeah. me. I'm just going to open up Garmin quickly and see.
0: Yeah, while why are you doing that? I mean, one of the, one of the things with those zones, we actually had a long chat this morning. But Marcus and I were doing a, a similar call for for the run podcast, and someone was saying the same thing that they their runs feel like they're easy, but they are in the slightly higher uh, zone. So, w- one of the reasons that, or, or one of the things we found, particularly in the in in like comrades runners as an example, is. All of their training runs are exactly the same pace. They, 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 there's no variation in their, in their training. If they're doing a long run, it's slow. If they're doing their midweek runs, it's slow. Every now and again, they might pop a, a time trial in and that sort of thing, which is at a slightly higher intensity. But those those long runs, and, and that's where, where most sort of recreational runners are making the mistake, is they're not doing enough of their easy runs easy. So because they're running their easy runs harder than what they should be, they aren't able to hit the numbers that they should be hitting in the high-intensity sessions, like the the, oh, the speed okay. sessions or the hill repeats and that sort of thing. And and that's where the the sort of gains really come. So because they are almost in that no-man's land in between, they... And that's where the term junk miles comes in. It's just that you're running just for the sake of running as opposed to really slowing it down because you are getting benefit. Even though it doesn't feel like it, you are getting massive benefit running easy in zone two. And then it allows you to run the harder ones a lot harder than you would ordinarily because you're not fatigued.
2: Yeah, to me, it feels like if I run too slow, it's junk miles.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Um, I mean... so where, where that comes more into play is with your if you do your easy runs too hard and you then you can't be able to do your hard runs hard so you're kind of just in a in a gray zone so yep. you're like you kind of just plateauing in that zone so as so you want your easy runs to be over here easy and your hard runs to be over there so you don't want to kind of close the gap between the two over there so your easy runs is like medium easy and your hard runs is medium hardish so that's why There's a huge difference in between the two zones. So even if you feel like, listen, I'm running easy, this is I feel like I'm wasting my time. Sometimes you just need to listen to the coach and say, Listen, I trust you guys, you know what you are doing. So even for me, it feels like it's not hundred percent there. Maybe we can talk and do a test so we can readjust my zones or something like that. Something like that can be beneficial as you train and you progress, you can't keep the zones the same for Twelve weeks because you're getting fitter, you're getting stronger, and so on. So you also need to say, listen, let's do a test, let's update my zones, or so on. And I know some of the garments do have that. If you go at a certain at a high intensity for twenty minutes straight, it updates your VO two max and your heart rate zones and everything like that. So some of the garments do do that automatically. So it's also just your homework. You double check, like once every two weeks, listen, is my zones the same, yes or no? I'm feeling like, listen, this is really, really easy. So, for example, if you start running 630 a K and your heart rate drops by 10 beats, 15 beats, then you know, okay, listen, it's time to readjust my zones. Let's talk to the coach and say, listen, I feel like this is going way, way too easy. Can we do like a little test to see, increase my zones, do like a time trial to see what your max heart rate is and so on. And then we can adjust your zones, adjust your training program and take it from there. Okay, this is
2: interesting. I think I should perhaps just go and Triple check if my zones are right because on the on the indoor cycle, my indoor spinning bike, I actually struggle to to cycle hard enough or fast enough to get to the next zone or to get yeah. to zone two because keep saying easy or warm up. Uh, whereas with the run, I struggle to run slower to stay in zone two. But yeah, maybe I must just go and see if I can adjust it.
1: But do oh. you when you run? So do you link different profiles, the cycling running profiles to when you cycle and when you run because i know when you cycle your heart rate tends to be lower than when you run so what Garmin device do you have i have the 735. okay so so when you cycle indoor you go on the cycle profile with the garment yes, right? yes, the okay then it should it should still be able to switch it between okay listen this is your cycle heart rate and this is your running heart rate so it should give you the the different values, but when you're done, just go double check on the, because I can see on the Garmin site here, there is a running thing and you can choose between percentages of max heart rate, mm. which is the method is the most common and familiar. Using your maximum heart rate, it gives you your zones. Yeah. But with your heart rate, it gives you your resting heart rate as well. Am I right with your yeah. Garmin? Yeah. So that you can, if I was you, I would use that one because then you use your max heart rate minus your heart rate rest gives you a heart rate reserve. So if you use that formula, it might be more accurate because your resting heart rate, your watch does give you a resting heart rate. So you take that in the morning when you wake up, you see, okay, at night my heart rate was X amount. I know what my max amount is. So you just change the values and see if it has an impact on your zones. But then also if you choose a method now, keep to it. So at least it's consistent. Mm. So even if it is a little bit inaccurate, it's consistently inaccurate, and that makes
2: sense. <laughs> yes, it does make sense. Okay. It does make sense, yeah. You know, I I I, I follow my resting heart rate because obviously if it drops a bit, I can see I'm getting fitter. Although my watch is saying that my VO2 actually dropped within the last three weeks, and I've really been training hard. So maybe there's something wrong, because it's supposed to go up.
1: Well, also, also, also VO2 max, That's that's an indirect measurement of VO2max. The only real reason how you can measure VO2max is when you go into a lab and you put the mask on and measure it like that. So that's an indirect measurement because also are you in a base kind of training now if I'm not mistaken? Am I right?
2: Yeah, look, I'm on the Olympic program just for 5150. So this is all just really prepping me for 70.3, which we will then do for Ironman and then... I'm so glad the dates came out now because Iron Man is twenty-nine March and Comrades is twenty June. So I think it's six or seven or eight weeks.
1: Okay. But anyway, yes. Iron Man normally is in April, so it's a little bit earlier. Yeah,
0: early, uh, yeah but to... it works it works out perfectly, Sean. And and you can almost yeah. in your comrades training, you can almost use Iron Man as your ultra. So where you would be doing a two oceans or if you're doing a lost core. Yeah. I always oh, I never I, I I never ran ultras. Iron Man was my ultra. And and even though it's slightly longer, you you bounce back a lot quicker from a from an ironman i for me personally being a big guy i bounce back from an ironman a lot quicker than i do from a from a an ultramarathon so yeah the timing is perfect it's all good
2: I'm very excited to hear this, Brad, because I'm so scared of doing Ironman and missing out on comrades again. Um, but I'm very excited that you say, you'll know you bounce back quickly and you always do well. So now I am even more excited to know us, oh my
1: goodness.
0: Yeah, Charmaine, the, the, for me, the big thing is, is that, that like I said, the, the time after Ironman where everyone's ramping up, you then are only training one discipline. You're not training three anymore. I mean, you can still use it as cross training, but I, by the time Ironman comes along, I'm so full of swimming and cycling yeah. that I just want to yeah. run. And, and then yeah. it's, it's, it's cool because you almost feel like you're slacking, even though you're doing a lot more mileage than you were in your Ironman training, because you're only training one discipline, it feels like you're on holiday. And, and I tell you, I'm telling you now you'll come out of that Ironman seriously fits because you've done the cardiovascular stuff on the bike and the, and the swim. And, and yeah, if you're sensible in those two months leading into to comrades, you'll, you'll, I'm willing to put money on it you'll almost have your best comrades you'll ever have unless you really smash iron man as hard as you can then then the recovery time is going to be a lot longer but if it's a, a case of just going there to experience iron man and you're going to finish and then you're going to go on and run comrades you, you will have a phenomenal comrades i'll tell i'll tell you that now
2: wonderful yeah. nice to hear I cool. so.
0: have you got any other questions
2: no no i'm fine um, cool for i've learned so much Thank you.
0: No, you're you're most welcome, and we love having you in the community as well. You ask such great questions in the forums, which is which is cool. Your experience of that that Coach Barry training club, you haven't been with us that long, but you've you've experienced it and you're seeing how it works. How, how have you found it?
2: Look, I don't know how I used to do triathlons without without Coach Barry's training. Oh my goodness! Now I've learned so much about. Um, even something as simple, it, it doesn't feel like I'm really training very hard. And I am. I'm training eight times a week, only six days a week. So if I look at my blocks and I turn them green, which is lovely, uh, I can see, yes, I trained very hard this week. It doesn't feel like that because I think you guys kind of, um, this is a hard day and then it's swimming, which is not so hard. And then you get strength training for your legs and then you get to have an easy run again. So I I love the program and I'm only on intermediate. I, I was thinking perhaps I should go to advanced. Um, but I, I love the forum also. I've never asked a question on there that hasn't been answered within a day or so. And I'm more than one person answering and it's just lovely. No, but I don't feel in the dark. I feel like everything is at my, at my fingertips. I can ask anything if I, I can even change my, program, the way it suits me, like now we're going to ride cycle write second on Thursday, so I'm switching everything with the blocks. It's wonderful. It's awesome. It's uh, very technologically improved. It is stunning. I love it. I don't think I can leave you guys again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. We love hearing that. So yeah, thank you very much. Uh, We love having on like I said, and uh, we can't wait to see how you how you go obviously 5150 uh, and then looking ahead to 70.3 Ironman and then comrades next year. Best of luck. And yeah, I'm sure we're going to be chatting lots in the forums uh, and on the Q&A calls, the live Q&A calls. But uh, yeah, thanks for, for taking the time to chat to us today.
2: Thank you for all the questions and all the answers and all the help. And thank you for having me. It was lovely. Thank you.
0: And that's it for the first revamped edition of Try with Coach Perry. I thoroughly enjoyed that chat with Charmaine. Uh, I know Rudolph did as well. Charmaine, best of luck in the build-up to that 5150, and we'll touch base in the forums. Uh, keep those great questions coming. I, I, I got tons out of uh, today's podcast, and I hope you did too. I mentioned that I was going to be showcasing another member of uh, the Coach Perry Online Training Club on this podcast, uh, and we try and do that every, every sort of week uh, across the board. We've got uh, one of the threads in our forum is a success forum uh, and we ask our members to post wins that if they've uh, done a PB or if they've had a great race just to share those uh, to let us know first of all how we're doing but also to fire up the other members within the Coach Parry Training Club to keep working as hard as they are and uh, this post comes from Roger uh, it says so I joined Coach Parry to try and learn more and train smarter with the demanding work travel schedule uh, and generally slowing down with age isn't that all of us Roger he says I've now seen improvement and I'm chuffed with that uh, he ran his fastest 10K time in two years. And Roger is rapid. I'll give him that. Uh, 34 minutes and 8 seconds. Looking forward to the next one. Just nice uh, to be down to the 34s again. See you on the road sometime. Roger, that is phenomenal. Uh, Roger's not a spring chicken either. I can tell you he's been running for a long, long time. Uh, and a 34, 8 second 10K is super, super fast. And yeah, the proof is in the pudding. Well done. Thanks for sharing that in the success forum. If you'd like to find out more uh, about the Coach Perry online Training Club. We've got over 80 training programs in there. You get access to our entire coaching staff. Uh, Rudolph, our triathlon coach. Lindsay, who's the head coach. Marcus, uh, our uh, other running coach. Devlin, our cycling coach. We've got a strength and conditioning coach. Shona Hendricks in there as well. And also give you access to our resident sports nutritionist, Nikki de Villiers. Uh, so a whole gambit, so a whole team available uh, to answer your questions. You get onto training program and it's one of the most supportive uh, online communities you'll find uh, in the triathlon space. So go check it out. All you need to do is head over to coachparry.com forward slash triathlon that's coach parry.com forward slash triathlon and uh, yeah we look forward to seeing you there